Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, the show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. Hello there, thank you for joining me, Dr. Shabnam Berry Khan, today here on the Psychology of Case Management podcast. And today I'm going to think about something that I realised when I did some training to some support workers recently and they were pretty savvy actually and they picked up on it during the session so I thought I'd talk about it in today's episode and the thing that they picked up on was um, what the bloody hell did I mean by sense making when it came to understanding how to engage a tricky client. They were an inquisitive clever bunch actually and I realised sense making is not really a normal or commonly spoken English phrase Ironically, therefore, it made very little sense and possibly was even more confusing than it was helpful. That's a pseudo-psych talk for you. The definition is a made-up word that sounds psychological but is in fact vague at best. And then I realised I had said it several times in the previous episode of this series and so probably leaving you a little baffled. So I shall be using this episode to explain what I mean by sense-making and how it can be useful to you in your work with your personal injury clients, especially those who are not engaging particularly well. So coming back to that training, um, I split sense-making into three main categories. The first one was legal and social care frameworks that we operate in. The second was emotional, the emotional journey of the client. And the third was what you bring to the dynamic with your clients and the MDT. In the first category, I spoke about the Mental Capacity Act and how a support worker can be helpful in assessing capacity. Um, I spoke um, about the deprivation of liberty safeguard and how support workers can assess doles and, of course, safeguarding of vulnerable adults and children and the role of the support worker there. I won't go into it too much now because it's not the topic of the episode and um, frankly we can get stuck on this first hurdle. I'm not saying it's not important, I'm just saying it needs an episode of its own and um, this just ain't that time. Besides I'm a psychologist and the other two categories are way more up my street. So in terms of the emotional journey of the personal injury client, which is the second thing that I spoke about at that training, To think about conceptualising it, you can come from different angles. For example, we could consider psychological trauma, which is fair game in the personal injury world, how it's represented in language, the role of of memory, neurological explanations, impact of culture, all of which are central aspects in the trauma literature. Or we could talk about adjustment, which depends on reasonable insight into the event and the psychological impact it's had, personal acceptance of the changes, including to self-perception. Um, modification of beliefs and personal growth uh, goals to compensate for any impairment, so on and so forth. But for me, it always starts with the grief response to the injury, the experiences of the injury and subsequently, I guess, how life is experienced in the aftermath and beyond. And of course, there are several models of grief um, in the psychology world. So Tonkin, in her model of grief in the 90s, spoke about uh, grief being pretty much the same over time, but life and new experiences instead grow around it. It's called the growing around grief model, and it purports that the grief does not shrink um, and that it's relative to the positives that people develop in their lives. Kubler-Ross's model 
of the late 60s um, was mega popular and I think people still tend to refer to it nowadays. And she ref- she created it when she was sort of sense-making about death and dying. And she spoke about five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. So denial is, um, it hasn't happened, it wasn't that bad, I'll get back to normal soon. Anger is around rage at the unfairness and the injustice. Blaming and wishing for vengeance, perhaps. Bargaining is, if I just do X, Y and Z, then I can get back to normal. Depression is thinking thinking around, sort of, my life is ruined, I can't do anything, I have nothing to look forward to. And acceptance is the more positive spin. This is how my life looks now, and I can find a way of living this life, which isn't going to feel too awful. This Kubler-Ross model proposed that these defence mechanisms were ways to cope with uh, extremely challenging and difficult situations. It is meant to serve as a a sort of loose framework um, as opposed to a process to follow exactly. And I wouldn't kind of call it a formula. It's more of a a sort of roadmap, a guide, something like this. Anyway, of course, there are strengths. And the power of this model lies in the acceptance section, where we find, I guess, something along the lines of appropriate control and safety. Once our clients are given the space to explore their hurt and their pain, when they can learn the parameters of their circumstances, Um, and there is something to hold on to, they can more likely achieve acceptance. And this is what Kubler-Ross felt was true for her clients. And I I think I feel it's really true for mine too. I mean, there's not a lot of empirical research to back up Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, but I personally feel that I have certainly recognised in my clients and their family members these stages or, uh, you know, this, this framework I probably find my paediatric clients, parents, for example, sometimes hanging out at bargaining a little bit, you know, for more prolonged periods of time, tirelessly exploring new methods and treatments to see if a difference can be made to their, cl- to their children. Um, and I find more adult clients experiencing depression, which is really tough for their families too. Kessler later added to Kubler-Ross's five stages um, model with a sixth stage, finding meaning, which he described as um, something like, I can grow from this experience and live a, a meaningful life. So kind of acceptance being the uh, a sort of earlier stage of like, this is where I'm at and meaning being, how can I move on from this even? And he believed the key to grief was meaning. And there is no one definition of meaning of course but the idea is that there must be space to explore and understand and um, be able to define for each individual in life-changing circumstances what meaning is so meaning making is is massive Um, hence why we're talking about it now Um, but the important bit to remember is that whether you agree or not with the Kubler-Ross Kessler model or any other grief model for that matter, is that if an individual, and also if their family members are processing their loss and needing to sense-make their situation, this takes time. And crucially, it colours their relationship with everything else and everyone else that they are in touch with. 
And that could include us as personal injury professionals. And it's important that they be allowed to make their own way through this journey. Because denial, anger, bargaining and depression are effectively the barriers to rehabilitation and can significantly impair progress during a process like uh, litigation, which is, as we know, too well pressured, complex and time limited. So in terms of the four stages uh, before um, acceptance and meaning making, meaning are part of the picture, we could be looking at uh, mental health issues um, such as low mood and associated low motivation. We could be looking at grief for the pre-injury life. So um, thinking of, um, you know, what life was like pre-morbidly. And we could be looking at cognitive neurological impairments that get in the way and keep those four stages of denial, anger, bargaining and depression, you know, very much so stuck, perhaps. Of course, we've talked about trauma. There might be something around the a lack of shared goals or lack of progress. Social environment is really important in being able to make sense of where someone is in their journey um, for themselves or by others. There could be financial issues around all of this. There might be a lack of trust in medical professionals, um, which you know may, we may be perceived as part of. There's also the pre-injury personality and attachment history that people have that clouds and colours how they engage with their life now and how they are making sense of where they are today. So in other words, in thinking about that sort of emotional journey, we're also having to think about the barriers that people are presented with and what keeps them stuck in those um, stages or that framework of grief. So in terms of sense-making and, and about that last bit um, that I spoke about in the, um, in the training that I did, that was more around what you bring to the dynamic with your client and what the MDT brings as well. What are we bringing to the table when a client is disengaging and can become inaccessible? What can you do to provide some containment, a sense of safety, connection and belonging? Is there anything that you can do that could trigger those more positive biochemical responses that produce oxytocin and effectively reduce cortisol production? I suppose what I'm trying to say is that sense making is not just something that happens to the client or around the client, that you have agency and a role in how that happens. When you use what you have, how you respond, the evidence of your observations and the data from your role, you have totally enriched your understanding and suddenly your interactions have become what we would say in the research world, practice-based evidence for your single case studies, each one being different for each client. This is great stuff and this is really important in understanding your individual clients within the context of your relationship with them. And if you follow this podcast, you'll know that its entire premise is about having a relationship with your client, having a a strong therapeutic alliance and knowing what you bring and what they bring and where the line can be drawn, your boundary, if you will. That consistency and that honesty that you bring to your client relationship is 100% the key foundation to basing your interventions on. 
But I would also say that advocating for your client from a biopsychosocial type perspective is really important. Um, And in my experience, not necessarily something that all members of the MDT will subscribe to in their actual practice, even if they do subscribe to it in theory. And I suspect most MDT members would say totally on board with that model. And I'm sure everyone will know that the uh, the literature does say that the biopsychosocial type models are absolutely ace in the main. Um, but it's re- but they're really hard to implement, especially when there are layers of systemic input from the clients and families to treatment, care, and in the personal injury clients' case, legal structures as well. So no wonder professionals talk about it as being a great thing, but in practice, retreat to their own corners, if you like. Um, and why case managers can some can often not sometimes I think often find it hard to manage these different ideas without a foundation upon which to base it all on, um, and how to use that biopsychosocial model. And again, if you know my view or sense my take on managing health, you will recognise the importance and emphasis I put on holistic care and that for want of a better word, consensual approach to understanding client complexity in the personal injury work we do. You know, no one discipline can hold power. No one discipline can explain all the issues from their perspective. And certainly no one discipline can therefore intervene in isolation. I'm really hoping that you feel the same as a starting point when it comes to sense-making of your client. Even if you're the only clinician involved, There'll be the client's perspective, the family's perspective, the legal slash, um, I guess, experts' perspectives, medical and treatment services before you joined the client's team, and of course, your own. And that's before the MDT jump aboard um, in terms of the the team that you've recruited, before the care team share their views, and before social care angles are also taken into consideration. And then, of course, there are the interactions that come from each of those components um, of that holistic care that you've created or a part of, completely reminding me um, of that idea that one plus one doesn't equal two, it actually equals 11. Again, coming back to my other favourite phrase, um, we become bigger than the sum of our parts, but that all has to be blimmin' well managed. So coming back to the idea that one's personal injury practice could be appropriately and sensibly based on a biopsychosocial legal type approach to truly allow a client to thrive, I honestly believe this is the responsibility of all clinicians on an MDT, whether legal, therapeutic, care or case manager. And Without that, it's very hard to really understand what the barriers truly are to a client as a team and how, as a team, engagement can be improved, even if it's not in terms of your relationship specifically as that one component in that model of uh, support, that MDT model for that client. Because the idea is that we're only going to be as fast as the slowest person. So if a colleague is struggling, Let's go back to that um, like roadmap or that plan to understand what that's all about. And holistic models of care are based on the idea that in order to understand and respond adequately to client suffering, 
And to give clients a sense of being understood, clinicians must simultaneously consider that biological um, influence, the psychological, the social dimensions of illness. And of course, as I've mentioned before, working in the personal injury world, I would go as far as saying that those dimensions extend to other components or aspects like the life story, the pre-morbid history and, you know, what that means for that client, physical health, the legal context, personality, neurological condition, medication, mental health, family. I suspect you might have additional components to include here, and I'd love to hear if you do, actually. But the point you and I are making is that the biological, psychological and social bits are extendable. And I, I would argue these nets of knowledge that is held consensually across the various informants of a personal injury client's care ought to be invited, should be invited to share their experience, observations and practices and to inform that roadmap. A case manager would then pull this all together to make sense on behalf of the client together with the team around the client to see how they fit together um, in if indeed they do fit together an overall set of goals can then be identified with the client and or the family so the sense making is clear for all involved and it's a shared understanding but it isn't necessarily individual independent goals that um, individual disciplines are forming in their relationship with their client it's kind of overarching and all the goals that are set extend from that um, overarching goal if that makes sense um, and that that then all gets placed onto this sort of roadmap um, this plan everyone is an equal in this uh, model everyone will have a place for their data everyone can see how their data coordinates with other people's data it can be seen that any change in one area can potentially and possibly probably will influence the outcomes um, in other areas. Everyone is looking in the same way and everyone is sharing a sense of responsibility towards that overarching goal ultimately. Overall, whatever the team is trying to achieve is broken up into its component parts and how they fit together and how they work together will result in the goal being met. Because the client makes sense um, to those working with them and also to themselves. Barriers are minimised and progress is maximised. I have so much more I can say on this topic and I dare say there'll be more episodes on it in the future, but for now I shall stop. But I would really love to hear from you as to whether this idea is something that you already do to make sense of your client in a holistic, measurable way. Um, or do you do something different? Or perhaps the sort of individual therapies, client relationship is actually working for you as a case manager or if as a member of the team. Perhaps the concept I'm talking about needs a bit more explanation, in which case I'd be really happy to talk to you about it um, more. So do get in touch if that's the case. But in the meantime, happy sense making and um, I will catch you next time. Bye for now. Before you go, 
If you enjoyed the episode today, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all. And if there's any topic you wish for us to cover, please drop us a line on our website. Thank you so much for all your support.